and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. And this week we've got something extra special in store. So Dana, what are we covering on this episode? Today we're talking about an incredibly lighthearted topic, uh, which is mothers who kill their children. So lighthearted. And who better to do it with than our special guest, astrologer Laura Carey of the podcast Killer Astrology. Welcome. Yay. Welcome, <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to do this episode. So before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your awesome podcast? Sure. So I'm Laura. I am, well, I'll tell you my big three. I have a Capricorn sun, a Cancer moon, and Virgo rising. I am a trained mental health counselor, and I found my way to astrology kind of through that in a roundabout way. And I have a podcast, you can find it anywhere. It's called Killer Astrology. And every week I tell a true crime story and then analyze the astrology behind the case. And I also do astrology readings and reports through Laura Carey Astrology. Incredible. We're so excited and blessed to have you and your true crime and mental health counselor experience, which I feel like will be very handy for this particular episode. So let's get into um, moms. So the public is equal parts obsessed, enraged, and baffled, understandably, when mothers kill their children, mostly because it's just incredibly difficult to stomach the idea of someone who's like supposed to be a protector harming kids. And this episode will be covering three famous cases and then comparing what these women have in common. So first up, we have Diane Downs a mother who shot her three children, killing one and injuring the other two, all so that she could allegedly date a married man. So let's learn a little bit more about her. So Diane Downs was born in Phoenix to a conservative family and had kind of a rough upbringing. Um, She claimed her father molested her, so, you know, that's never good. And she got kicked out of high school for being too promiscuous, which to me was hilarious. Like, that was the reason, was promiscuity. So, like, you know, get after it, Diane. Um, And then eventually she ran away and got married to her neighbor and high school sweetheart, Steve. And the two had a pretty tumultuous marriage. They had two children together, and then they had a third that was another man's, but who Steve was raising. Um, Diane apparently loved being pregnant, but she wasn't like so much into the mothering aspect of it all. And besides her kids, she was even a surrogate for another family, um, despite having a pretty questionable mental state. So Diane also loved attention and had a lot of affairs on the side. So what were what what's her big three? I bet she loved being pregnant because people pay yes. attention to you a lot. Absolutely. They're like, oh my god, you're pregnant! Like, you know. So Diane has a Leo sun, an Aries moon, and an Aquarius rising with an extremely vast Leo stellium. Um, She has her her sun, Aquarius, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, and Pluto all in Leo. Damn. Um, Right. So what? Like, we know Leo suns love attention. They thrive on attention um, because Leos are like Leos need external validation. It confirms like what they know in their hearts already about themselves. Um, Aries moons conversely do not require external validation to achieve full expression and Aries is a fire sign so like their emotions are felt and expressed like super passionately and like abruptly. Yeah and people with Aries moons not always but can be a little bit more impulsive than some other people with different moon signs and they can go pretty fiercely after the things that they want. 
Right, like like Rihanna, like we talked about in our Rihanna episode, which if you didn't listen to, you should go back and do that. Um, <laughs> Plug. <laughs> right. And so Aquarius Rising is like a departure from both placements because she sees the world through a clear lens of the past and the future. So like what is now a part of the past, the future is a result of the present action. Um, and so Aquarius and Leo are opposite signs. So they exist on the same axis uh, or spectrum, which is like the self versus the collective. And Diane had a whopping six planets in Leo, and they're all in her seventh house of partnership and marriage. Um, it, it also, in Whoa. ancient astrology, was the house of death. So it's like a, a sensitive point in general. Um, and it's possible that she could never really see herself as she was, or the idea of doing so was too painful or fraught, because this is the point of the other. So it's often not always the easiest to see. Um, but like in her subconscious, she, that like could be going on. It's just a hypothesis. But she's, like, always viewing herself through an external lens is what I'm really saying. Yeah, and if you think about death, I mean, when you merge with somebody else, it's you're losing a part of yourself. You could think of it as losing a part of yourself. Mm. Ooh. But mo- moving on about just about this stellium, which I think is really fascinating. She Within her stellium, she has Jupiter conjunct her sun, and it's also conjunct almost all of the, her other personal planets, Venus, Mercury, we, you know, we listed them. But I, I see this as it being almost completely impossible for, for her to see herself as she was because she really thought of herself in high regard. And it could be that that started as a defense mechanism and that over time it just turned into this default personality trait. But I wouldn't want to come up against her with any <laughs> any kind of negative feedback you know she just wouldn't take it well but that said there's kind of this flip side because leo can be so loyal when a leo loves somebody they really love them with all of their heart so they i think in her case trying to please people that she loved was really important and i think we'll see later on when we get to more details about her case that she she really did that to a fault I feel like a lot of times when you look at someone like this, it's easy to just like focus on the negative aspects like, oh, she just thought she was the best. But then on the flip side, it is like, oh, she also could be super loyal and super loving and like loyal almost to people who kind of in the grand scheme of things, like don't really matter that much in the timeline of her life, but she's still willing to like be down for them. In medical astrology, Leo rules the heart. So it also kind of lends itself in like a symbolic way to being like the heart of the human right because like yourself is your heart Mm. yeah if we want to get really philosophical about it (laughs) i do i'm a gemini at our core (laughs) we're all love right some people believe that and the sun is the core of the solar system and it's the core of the self so oh yeah so to sort of sum up diane is very very leo um so she has a leo sun which makes her kind of want to be the center of attention, but also can be very loyal. She has an Aries moon, which makes her very impulsive. And then an Aquarius rising, which could make her come off as sort of aloof. So a lot of things happening here. Um, She also has that Leo stellium, which Dana and Laura mentioned, which is just going to make her like think very highly of herself and always see herself through that external lens. So Diane lives her life just like plowing through dick outside her marriage and like kind of good for her and event my mom will be so mad that i said that so keep it in she was like i can't listen at work and i was like sorry put on Um, headphones karen (laughs) karen get those headphones karen (laughs) so eventually diane and her diane's husband is like i cannot deal with you anymore like 
we need to get a divorce. So they do. And Diane moves to a new city with her kids, gets a job as a postal worker, and starts dating a new guy. And her and this new guy are pretty hot and heavy, but she's being really extra. And she just comes off really strong. So he's like, can you please not? We need to end this. And he's also like, P.S. I cannot be a dad to your kids. Which is key key here (laughs) for Diane. But so fast forward. Diane's in the emergency room. She's bleeding from a gunshot wound wound to her arm and her three kids have been shot point at point blank range. And one of her children was dead and the other two were fighting for their lives. So obviously people in the hospital are going to be like, Diane, what happened? And she's like, oh, a shaggy haired man stopped me. I was on this creepy rural road and demanded my car. And I was like, no. And then he's like, yes. And then shot my kids. So what is happening around this time? Uh, Before I get into that, there is like nothing more Leo than describing a perpetrator as being shaggy haired and <laughs> yeah giving i was no gonna other say details. that's so oddly specific yeah a fake like, perpetrator okay, his mane was not good um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have like an exact time for the shooting but there was a first quarter moon in leo on the morning of the shooting which is kind of revealing first More quarter leo moons for diane yeah. right right and so, like, first quarter moons give people tunnel vision uh the energy like lends itself to impulsive action which feels like a crisis like it's it's sort of as like the point or like the crisis of action. Yeah, and if you think about where the moon was, because on at the time of the exact first quarter moon, it was at I, be, I believe it was twenty eight degrees Leo, which is just two degrees past past her Pluto placement. But for that entire the entire time that obviously the moon was in Leo, it had to cross through every single one of her personal planets. So there was this really emotional connection to kind of who she was centered on herself so I just think that's really interesting that it was this time of connecting that emotionally but the fact that the moon was so close to to Pluto if we take the literal meaning of the moon which is mothering and nurturing and self-care and Pluto which is death we literally have the meeting of mothering and death in this lunation around this time that's like some Shakespeare shit you know brilliant (laughs) also insane this is kind of a hot take out of nowhere, but like if since the moon had to cross, like go through Leo, it had to go through Cancer first, which is her house or her sixth house, which is like the house of subordinates. And I feel like someone mm-hmm. who maybe sees himself that way might consider their children to be subordinates in a way, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I think I'm right, but of course I do. <laughs> well, that's a really interesting point. The moon was like was it was on the IC of the chart of that day or like in the mundane chart. The moon was on the IC, which is the lowest point of the chart, and it's associated with death and endings of all kind in predictive astrology. And actually in Placidus, um, all of her, her stellium, except for Pluto, is in her sixth house. Oh. So, and, and Uranus and Venus are in her sixth house uh, as well. So I just, um, I was thinking about that a little bit. I think it's cool to talk about, because you guys yeah. use different house systems, so I think it's cool to compare, like, how, you know... Placidus versus whole sign and like, you know, how you could kind of interpret it differently. And how they're like, they could be both useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to sum up the stellium in the sixth house, for me, just to like, try and put it really succinctly, the sixth house is about your daily routine and kind of those mundane things in your life, taking care of things, putting things in order. And so she really did have this focus on putting things in order 
for herself. Yes, and at the same time, if we take the whole sign interpretation of of her Leo stellium, she is also really focused on her one-on-one relationships. We know she was really focused on her romantic relationships. So both of those things are true for her. And if you think about, okay, what's getting in the way of me wanting to live my daily life in the way I want, then you could think, okay, well, how do her kids play into that? Yeah, totally. Her like self-concept. Yeah. It's really brilliant. I know when I look at my chart, like my plastis chart psychologically feels true and my whole sign chart is like what either maybe I feel it either actually is true or like works for prediction for me or just because I like it that way. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, also on the day uh, Saturn was conjunct Pluto in Libra in the fifth house, which is the house of children. Um, and Saturn conjunct Pluto is about like obsessive control and power trips that result in extreme behavior and alienation. Uh, we just had it and the whole world was alienated. So and also we just had it for the first time since around this time when Diane killed her kids. So like Libra, the obsession is about like what's fair um, and like what's fair to me because that's what she's looking through. And having that seventh house stellium, Libra is, a, you know, Libra is the natural sign that it falls in the seventh house. So it is very the themes are very salient. Well, yeah. Okay. So, and also Jupiter conjunct was conjunct Uranus and Sagittarius, which relates to like a manic optimism and just rapid shifts in beliefs um, yes. and believing them wholeheartedly each time. Yes. And I love that you use the word manic. Like I'm not going to diagnose her at all, but sometimes when people are manic, there's this really inflated sense of self. And mm. that just I just think about what she what she did and her Leo <laughs> stellium and, and how this interacts with that, especially because I believe it was trying. I believe it was trying almost exactly to her Venus. That's just thinking about desires and what you want. You have this inflated sense of self. You're also having this like move really easily with the energy of what you want and and your values and things like that. So I just think that there was this big. I want this particular thing and I want to go after it. Okay, Jupiter wants to like live its best life and Uranus destroys convention. So this influence makes people like especially gullible. Um, and Sagittarius is about setting yourself free. And Sagittarius uh, tends to be a pretty gullible sign. And the conjunction is transiting her midheaven, which just really stuck out to me because this is a time and Uranus makes big changes, especially with Pluto, I'm sorry, especially with Jupiter, makes really big sudden changes. And here you have a big sudden change in the public sphere for her. It's on her midheaven. This is how she's going to be viewed. This is creating her reputation for the future. Uh, right. And so also she was in a period known as the nodal opposition, which is um, when your south node is conjunct your north node and your the transiting north node is conjunct your south node. This brings about life changing events. As I talk about nearly every episode, the nodes are eclipse points. And so it's kind of like Donnie Darko or Stairway to Heaven. It's like <laughs> it's a wormhole uh, of time. Whatever occurs on an eclipse, if, especially if it touches one of your um, personal planets, like or personal points, it uh, the events occur which just take things out or, like, bring things into your life, and it's just completely uh, wild. And also, the nodal opposition is around the time that you're 27, so I think it's, like, kind of, like, 27 club energy, just, like, something that it's not, like... The south node in Vedic astrology is considered a, a malefic planet or negative, so it's it's not, you know... I don't, I don't think of it that way, but I think that it certainly can be. So um, basically, it's just kind of like either coming undone or coming together or something is is coming and you're not ready for it. Yeah, if you think about it from a psychological perspective, you're either 
some people consciously and others subconsciously, you're evaluating your life path and then you're going to make decisions that put you in the direction you want to go or take you out of the direction that you don't want to go. And I think when you talk about the 27 Club, I think that's really interesting and that's not conscious, you know, for people in the 27 Club, um, but it is definitely fitting in with which direction are you taking your life and are you ready for it? It's truly fascinating and that makes so much sense, especially, Laura, when you sort of bring in the psychological perspective to it. So to recap, on the day of the shooting, we have a ton of transits that are affecting Diane that are going to make her evaluate like what she wants in life and her beliefs. And then she's going to act on these new ideas extremely impulsively. And then we also have a transit relating to her children that's going to bring about extreme behavior. So we're back at the hospital now and people are listening to Diane's story. And the more she talks and the more they hear, they're just kind of like, yeah, no, actually like none of this, what you're saying actually happened. And that's pretty clear. So there were a lot of suspect things that she was saying and just like, you know, clues that didn't really add up such as like, you know, I don't know when your kids are shot at point blank range, you think you would like, I don't know, drive quickly to the scene, but she had time to wrap her arm, which is kind of, I don't know, a little weird. And she also claimed she was on the road late at night because she was taking her kids sightseeing, even though they were asleep. So just like generally like not adding up. Yeah, love to sightsee a rural road with no lights at nighttime. But um, she gave a bunch of interviews where she came off as like, very like self-centered so the public was just not sympathetic towards her at all and this really relates to that transit in her midheaven which deals with her image in the public but you know the real kicker came when um her daughter christy awoke from her coma and said that it was her mom diane that shot her which just must have been so extraordinarily traumatic yeah i feel like no one was expecting that but insane and christy is a hero so before diane goes to trial she gets pregnant you know as you do thinking that it would make people feel sorry for her and spoiler that didn't work also like i said elizabeth holmes got pregnant Mm, before her trial yes so so now ladies if you're going to commit a crime you know what to do get knocked up so diane is knocked up in the courtroom And her little eight-year-old daughter, Christy, takes the stand and testifies against Diane, a.k.a. her whole mother, and says that she was the one that shot her. So now everyone knows that Diane tried to kill her kids, which is not a good look. Um, Diane gets sentenced to life plus 50 years. And today she remains incarcerated at the Central California Women's Facility where she maintains her innocence because of because that Leo Stellium. That's like Teflon pathology. But yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with Diane, but let's keep the terrifying mother vibes going as we fast forward to 2001, where the case of a mom drowning her five young children grabbed headlines, public fascination, and led to a very sensationalized trial. And we're talking about Andrea Yates, a woman whose actions not only riveted America, but still haunt so many people to this day due to the extreme like mental illness she displayed during that trial. So 
let's learn a little bit more about her. So this story really bums me out to my very core, but still we have to talk about it. So Andrea Yates is the youngest of five children. She's said to have suffered from bulimia and depression growing up, um, but that didn't really stop her from achieving a lot. She was the captain of her swim team and she was even class valedictorian. She later became a nurse and she married her husband, Russell, and they decided they wanted to have literally like a country's worth of children. So what are her big three? Um, We don't have a time for Andrea's birth, so we don't know her rising sign, Um, but she has a cancer sun and an Aries moon. Um, and cancer is like the cancer is a sign of the mother. So this is like a maternal energy. Uh, she sees herself as a mother or she at least identifies with it. The like, I don't know, traditions of motherhood. And then Aries moon, like Diane, is impulsive and driven. Um, it's also both of these signs are cardinal. So they're squaring each other. Um, yeah. So she has her sun square her moon. So there's this level of difficulty surrounding being comfortable in her own sa- own skin. The moon is your internal world and the sun is in a lot of ways your external world or just kind of who you're growing into throughout your life. And so being square, there's just a lot of discomfort and tension there. It's a, a way to learn. <laughs> it's a lesson to learn, but it doesn't make it easy. Uh, right. And she also had Uranus conjunct Pluto in Virgo, which um, is disruptive impulses. It's like the calls coming from inside of the house in terms of obsessive tendencies. And like Virgo is the most perfectionistic sign. It's a sign of service. But and Virgos notice every detail like they're always on the ball. So she just knows everything and she's very self-critical and then like critical of everything or just, it obsesses about critique. So people with lots of Virgo placements or important Virgo placements can tend to want to get everything done, do everything that needs to be done. Because if you think about serving somebody else, people need a lot of things in order to be their best selves and do what they're trying to do. So Virgos can try and get every one of those boxes checked off, even though it's really hard for one person to do all of that stuff. So Moving on from that, just for our purposes, another thing we should point out is that the conjunction between Uranus and Pluto can cause people to do some pretty extreme things when they're threatened. And in this case, Andrea had Mars square to these two planets. So for her, those extreme things could have been extra impulsive and extra intense, especially given that her moon is in Aries, which is ruled by Mars. So her Uranus-Pluto conjunction is opposite Saturn and Pisces, um, and oppositions are aspects of relationship. They deal with other people or, like, some sort of compromise that you have to make in your life uh, as related to the people in your life. Um, and this kind of creates, like, a hyper-focusing and intense pressure on, like, what to do. Um, she also has Jupiter and Taurus opposite Neptune and Scorpio. Jupiter is a planet of beliefs and, like, magnification, its growth and emphasis, and Neptune um, obscures everything it touches. So she can't always, like, see the right way to go um it's also discomfort relating to her own like personal security like individual security and what she really needs and it's like wavering between herself and others um at a very deep level because this is like the axis of depth and taurus is ruled by venus so like jupiter and taurus answers her natal venus which is in retrograde in gemini in her chart and retrogrades don't make people bad or like they don't make life bad. It just like makes life more difficult for the individual or like present some sort of challenge. 
Yeah, and the challenge from Venus retrograde, I mean, it can manifest differently for different people, but one manifestation of Venus retrograde can be a strained relationship with love or one where you have a difficulty forming a bond with somebody else because you yourself feel unworthy of that person's love and affection, or you could have and or you could have some difficulty expressing affection yourself. Um, so also Scorpio is ruled by Mars. So Neptune in Scorpio answers to her natal Mars, which is also in Gemini. And Gemini is ruled by Mercury, which has to do with the mind and perceiving your surroundings. All this sort of like obscurity and like not really being able to see what to do in like a very deep way um, has to do with like, it's like all being processed through her mind. This whole transit has to go through her mental process. Um, but yeah, so to like recap, Andrea, She's a Cancer Sun, which makes her highly emotional and typically protective um, of their loved ones and friends. She also has an Aries Moon, which makes her impulsive and driven, and these are square. So there's just like a lot of that that tension that comes from that, um, and must have been like a really hard placement for her. And there's also a lot of other things going on in her chart that's going to make her like a little bit obsessive, intense, and just like hyper focused on on what she perceives as perfection. So she's dealing with a lot of things internally, mentally, but by all accounts, Andrea was your average Texas housewife. Um, however, though, it started to become very apparent after she had kids that she was suffering from severe postpartum depression. And after giving birth, it's fairly normal to experience what's referred to as baby blues, quote unquote, which stems from sort of a huge drop in hormones while your body's like readjusting back to its pre-pregnancy state. And normally this lasts a few weeks, but some women experience like a much more intense depression that lasts much, much longer than those few weeks. And after Andrea had her fourth child, she attempted suicide several times, had a mental breakdown, and at points was in a catatonic state. Um, she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital and was told by her doctors like to not have any more children because it was affecting her so badly. To me, her story is just that, so sad because it's like she literally needed help and like no one helped her. Like her husband, I feel like I don't want to say he's an asshole because I don't know him, but like it seems like he kind of like brushed everything off, like despite all of these things that happened to her. So also like I don't I don't know a lot about like her life at this point or anything like that but you have a lot to do when you have four kids you know and so if she was in the hospital or she was getting treatment who was who was taking on that responsibility I don't know I'm just kind of putting that out there so despite these warnings Andrea and her husband had another child a fifth child so that really did not help the situation and this kind of eventually ratchets up over the months and now in the story we're at the day of the murders um another thing besides like not having any more kids that was ignored was doctors telling her husband not to let her be alone with the children it just like was not a safe thing but he decided to leave for work because his mom was coming to be with her so he was like you know whatever what's like a little bit of time um but that would honestly come to kind of like blow up in his face because in the one hour between him leaving and his mother arriving andrea drowned all five of her children in the bathtub which is literally so sad so Um, horrifying so what's going on on this date So the date of the drownings was June 20th, 2001, and this happened in Clear Lake City, Texas. On this date, it was essentially just just not a good day to be a mother. 
there was a Mars opposition to the moon, which poses a lot of challenges to the maternal instinct. I mean, I would say that more strongly in a natal chart, but I think especially given that Andrea was a cancer, the moon did have probably a pretty significant influence on her. So on this day, there was that Mars opposition to the moon. There was Mercury. Mercury was retrograde, and it was also conjunct to Jupiter within about a degree. And the sun was also conjunct this Jupiter-Mercury retrograde conjunction. And this hit Andrea's chart right on top of her Venus, which we know was also retrograde. So all of these feelings, so she was pretty emotional, as we know. She had some mental health issues, um, some challenges going on. And Mercury retrograde can make us you know, can cause us to think less clearly than usual or to think thoughts that aren't necessarily always in our normal line of thinking. Um, it And so this was pretty challenging for her. And that aspect, these challenging thought patterns were magnified by Jupiter being within this Gemini formation. The moon was also in Gemini and Saturn was also in Gemini as well, but Saturn wasn't conjunct any of these other planets. So in addition to all of this Gemini energy being opposed by Mars, there was a trine between Neptune and Andrea's natal Mars. So we know her moon is ruled by Mars, so Mars is a pretty significant force, and trines are energies that flow together nicely. So you have Neptune, the ruler of the sea and the depths of the ocean, playing out with her Mars and I don't know I can't help but think of how this trine kind of made drowning her kids just I don't want to say it was easy for her I don't want to say it was positive it absolutely wasn't I don't it wasn't easy in terms of a life event but it was kind of the easiest way for her to do this. I mean, if we think about the manner of death, I think the energies were playing out in favor of that manner of death. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, for sure. This is why astrology is cool because it can confirm some sort of thing that other, like, that feels uh, impossible or inconceivable. But since it's happened, it's possible. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah, no one, it's never easy to drown your kids. But <laughs> she also has... Oh my god. <laughs> there's all, like, on this day, there was a heavy Gemini stellium, um... Like, it's, like, super mercurial. There's a lot of anxiety. Gemini rules the central nervous system. Um, and there's, just like, mental overdrive since uh, Mercury is the ruler. Um, this, is like, leads also into an eclipse the following day in Cancer. Um, and so Cancer and Gemini are very different signs. Um, Gemini is quick and anxious, and Cancer is, like, present and feeling and very aware of their surroundings. And so it's kind of like these anxious thoughts get like immediately funneled through an emotional spiral with this eclipse. Like you just like go from one to the next. So it, it, that's like the energy um, of this day. And then the drowning also coincides with uh, Andrea's nodal return, which is when the north node is conjunct the north node and, and the south node is conjunct the south node. Yeah. So the eclipse in Cancer would have been somewhere in the beginning, you know, somewhere early degree of cancer she is a cancer her nodes are in cancer or her north node is in cancer so this is pretty significant just shake up energy for her and with her north node in cancer the north node tells us kind of 
I call it our mission. What is your mission in life? What are the energies that you're supposed to kind of accumulate and use productively? And so her path has a lot to do with being nurturing and being protective. And it's possible slash probable. I mean, we don't know how she felt, but that she felt like she couldn't meet this requirement of being that nurturing protector for her kids and almost like she she might have needed to save her kids from herself because she felt like she was not enough for them and she wasn't doing what they needed from her yeah i looked up um some articles and the cnn article said that the only way for her to save them uh she said like the only way for me to save my kids was to to kill them yeah she thought they were like like basically like to satan like at the time she yeah, was like she felt super doomed religious. so she thought her kids were doomed i think she also thought it was like hereditary or something right she wasn't in a regular state of mind but she thought she was saving them yeah so obviously like there's a lot going on for her astrologically on this day and once again i feel like it's one of those times where you look at it and you're like holy shit well like obviously this would happen like in a really like messed up way when you see all the transits um but you know the way things were hitting her chart it was going to magnify her impulsive thoughts especially around what she thought of herself as a mother yeah and um in the time between her breakdown and the murders she had started fixating like very heavily on religion and began began obsessively reading the bible and you know, like Dana mentioned, when she asked why she killed her children, Andrea went on to say that, you know, she thought she hadn't been a good mother to them and that she thought they were marked by Satan. And so in her mind, you know, the only way to save them from hell was to kill them. And so it's just such an interesting dichotomy between um, Andrea and Diane, because Diane killed, you know, attempted to kill her children to like save herself, like it was just a self-serving motive. And Andrea you know, killed her children because she really thought that that was like the last way that she could be a good mother. So it's just like a very different motives with a similar um, tragic outcome. After the drownings, Andrea goes to trial and she pleads not guilty by reason of insanity, but it's Texas. So the jury rejects that and she's sentenced to life in prison. But a few years later, an appeals court overturns her conviction. She was then retried again, and this time she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Since then, she's been in a state mental hospital. Yeah, a very truly terrifying and tragic tale and we definitely wish she was able to get better help sooner because i think you know then we wouldn't be talking about her and while andrea yates once referred to herself as the most hated woman in the world she uh had nothing on florida's own casey anthony yeah Fuck her. But next week, we'll be picking things back up. I literally hate her so much. Um, We'll be picking things back up with Casey Anthony and Laura will be back doing a deep dive into, you know, the fuckery of her and her daughter. And um, we'll also be seeing like what she has in common with Diane Downs and Andrea Yates. So do not miss it. Yes. So thank you again to Laura for joining us. And we can't Wait for your insights in part two. But in the meantime, can you tell our loyal listeners where they can find you? 
Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Killer Astrology Podcast and at Laura Carey Astrology. Uh, I have a website for Killer Astrology. It's KillerAstrologyPodcast.com. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also visit my website, LauraCareyAstrology.com. Yay. And now it's promo time. So please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Reviews definitely help us out. And if you leave us one on Apple Podcasts and DM us or email us at allegedlyastrology at gmail.com, a screenshot of your review will make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. We're getting a lot of responses, so definitely keep them coming. Don't forget to follow us at Allegedly Astrology on Instagram and Reddit and at Allegedly Astro on Twitter. We're also on Hey Hero now, so if you want advice (laughs) or reasons why the world is burning, um, we have a 20% (laughs) off code right now for the month of March when you use Hey Hero, H-E-Y-S-H-E-R-O. Use it. I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. 